you did it. We ju- we made it through 2020, Tim, and then you jinxed us. Saying that shit about a one-star rating. Come on now. All right, episode 38 of Stats to Matter. Week 17, over. NFL regular season, over. On to the playoffs. Playoffs? Look, most of the league is on to the playoffs. 18 teams, including those New England Patriots, get to watch football from their couch just like we do this week. And uh, in our cups this week, double IPA out of Portland, Maine. And a stout. Oh, stop me if you've heard this one before. From North Haven, Connecticut. Uh, weird. Uh, yeah, super weird. Find stats don't matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify. Follow us on our Twitter handle, at Stats Podcast. Do the same thing on Instagram, at Stats Don't Matter. Hope everyone had a happy new year. Tim, let's get into the show. I don't know how you've done it, but I think this is like the fourth or the fifth episode in a row you've had a beer from North Haven, Connecticut, and you haven't hit the same one twice, mm-hmm. which means mm-hmm. your bottle shops must be like world-renowned, or you just don't go out of town very often. Yeah, so North Haven, not only have I not had the same beer, but uh, I haven't even had the same brewery for the last uh, few trips to, to North Haven. North Haven is home of 12% brewing. They do a lot of distribution. They do a lot of contract brewing. They do a lot of gypsy brewing. So a lot of the beers that uh i have that come from north haven um come from the same 12 percent location but they're not you know they're brewed by different breweries but uh this week uh i am having a repeat brewery but a different style beer uh this week i'm having marlow it's called blackout jinx uh i saw them on their instagram brewing this beer struck up a conversation with one of the brewers asking if it was going to be distributed um and thankfully it is, and I found it. Uh, it's a stout brewed with honey and maple syrup, both of which were locally sourced. And I'm obviously a big stout guy, so uh, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, I got, I got to get this one in. Uh, the little write up, named after what is this one? Oh, it's the same one. I it's the same one I read you guys before. I thought they changed it up for the actual uh, beer, but they did not. It's just the Marlowe write up. Uh, but let's get into this one. It's got that craft beer brewery smell. As soon as you open it, I remember being on the canning line every single time. I can already tell how you're going to describe it. It pours thick, like, like deep, rich, thick. Mm. Shout out to me, Beer Co. being that glass. That's right. That's is right. that the dinner glass? This is. This is a gift from my mm-hmm. wife. Try not to make a mess here. I was when I was in Maine over the holidays. I stopped by uh, Maine Beer Co. This is a shout out to all the the faithful listeners. If you happen to be in Maine, listening to this podcast, uh, and and you go down there on Route One to to Maine Beer Co., just do yourself a favor. Just buy a case, okay? <laughs> it's so much cheaper than getting Maine Beer Co. beer outside of Maine. I can validate that, okay? Yeah. And I have to make business decisions when I go to the grocery store to see if I want to spend $10 on a pint of Maine Beer Co. lunch when I could get it in Freeport, spoiler alert, for like 6 or $7. Yeah. That's a sizable markup. And I get that, like, crap here is a market, but, like, Jesus. All right. Let's give this one a go. Smells fantastic. Smells sweet. Oh, yeah, that's sweet. But not... So this is, obviously, it's meant to be sort of that adjunct sweeter stout style flavor. So if you know that going into it, um, 
if you're going in thinking you're going to get like a coffee porter type stout, this is not going to be your beer. I went into this. I like adjuncts. I like pretty much all variations of ports and stout porters and stouts in general. But I sought this one out because I figured it would be kind of sweet. And it is, but it's not overwhelming. I'm a big honey guy. I think honey tends to be a little bit more mild on the sweet side. So when you mix that with a little bit of that maple syrup, I'm a sucker for a stack of pancakes pretty much any day of the week. Uh, this beer is a home run for me. I really, really enjoy this beer. It's smooth, pours with those nice little micro bubbles. It has that nice bitter undercoat to kind of offset some of the uh, some of the sweet from the maple. Man, that is. Uh, that is really good. If this was last year, I would say this is one of the best stouts I had last year. But obviously, Ron to new. You really um, just did that. We're, we're, we're five days into 2021. You're like, this would have been the best stout of last year. But psych, uh, yeah, here we are in yeah, 2021. No. It's like number five overall. Come on. Well, I mean, I mean, you know who I'm going to say takes the cake just in general. It's going to be Angry Chair. But this is... This is pretty close. The only thing that separates this from some of those angry chairs is maybe a little bit more of the like the imperial stout sort of alcohol bite or like some if this sucker was barrel aged, which I think they are doing, this would easily be one of my favorite beers all time. Um I mean and it it hides the alcohol well. It's nine point nine percent and I don't taste it at all. It tastes like a uh, a regular milk stout, like a coffee stout. Uh Man, I'm gonna give this one like uh I'm gonna give this one like a four six. That is a big one. This is man, I'm going to be sad when this four pack is gone. Legitimately sad. <laughs> man. Oh, look at that. So an actual can- rating out of Tim in twenty twenty one. Was that your new your New Year's resolution? You were <laughs> like, all right, maybe I actually gotta offset whatever sam's doing with these ratings i'm being realistic about my ratings young man uh, okay this is mr 4.6 after giving beers 4.1 3.9 that's how good this beer is that's oh, how good sure it is. is i um so a little backstory on marlo i may mention it the last time but uh if you missed it kent falls brewing is a, a brewery here in connecticut that a lot of local people love i think it was untapped or rate beer or one of the brewing sites or brewing guilds did best beer by state and uh kent falls was the one they chose for connecticut the brewer of marlowe is the guy that kind of put connecticut on the map and he left kent falls to start marlowe brewing so kind of gives you an idea of the quality of this kind of beer if the former brewery he was at has been you know climbing the charts year after year i mean he helped develop most of those recipes and brew those beers so um this is fantastic i would i I liked all the all of the stuff that i've had from them so far this is in my opinion the best beer i've had from them Uh, i'm going to immediately go out tomorrow and try and find uh one of these so shout out to marlo you guys see this one um it's dark can sort of like uh what do you describe that like fantastical looking can with <laughs> roses and like a moon on it looks like a little bit of a hippie can a dark can but it's called blackout jinx 
go find it, go get it, and uh, report back. I want to know what you think of it. Mm. If I if I didn't have an onus to not get cans, I probably wouldn't. But I just I do have a keg, and I have an update for you. The keg is not spitting anymore. I don't know what I did. I think I, I think it would, I just had to clean the lines. I think that's what it was. But got a fresh hazy on tap out of Ocelot, Sterling, Virginia. It's amazing. That's not the beer I'm drinking today. I mean, it's not even my sidecar rider. That's a rolling rock. Shh, <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that is that is pretty dope. This is my this is my sidecar. Little equilibrium. Little equilibrium photon is 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 in the chamber. Yes. Uh, so the beer I've got is a collaboration between Mass Landing Co. Out of I said Portland, Maine, but it's really Westbrook, Maine. I don't know why I said that. Mm-hmm. You can edit that out. Uh, and Yakima Chief Hops <laughs> is the Idaho Seven Varietal Double IPA. It's called Canyons and Gemstones and the label itself is just killer. You got this nice kaleidoscope of colors here. Um, again, one of those little stowaways on my uh, very safe, very socially distanced Christmas trip. There's the crack. Idaho 7 is like one of those hops. If, if you've never had it, you'll never really forget it once you have it. It's like really good. It's kind of like Sabra with, you know, it has such a pronounced hop profile that when you start drinking it, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's Idaho 7. Or, oh, yeah, that's Sabro. Like, Sabro is, like, tropical fruit, but, like, has an overwhelming coconut note to it. So, like, mm. you smell a beer, and you're like, oh, that's, that's Sabro. Like, you, you only have to have a couple beers, right? Like, I know, like, beers that have, like, Chinook, for example. Like, yeah. people said it smells like dank weed. So, if you smell something that smells like dank weed, usually it's Chinook um, for the hot variety. But, you know, nice, nice little hazy. Here we go question while you're drinking that did you stop by the shaker village when you were up in maine and did no, they try to hire you to make furniture no <laughs> yeah, tim's saying that because i've been growing the beard out you know i cut the beard down a couple times uh you know in in light of covid but uh you know and my wife's sanity but you know lately i've just been kind of growing it back out i got the comb over that's so egregious now it looks like i could fit in the presidential family and you know from the uh the cheekbone down i look like i'm you know jedediah smith <laughs> first of his name wrangler of uh you know horses and maker of soap yeah i bet you can make a sweet chair no i definitely could i had to call someone to fix my hvac today so I, i'm not really like, you know let's just say yeah i know my way know, around a, google that's it yeah i was like, do you know way around a, your way around a loom Mm-mm. convert some some sheep wool into some fine thread yeah you say that but my mom actually she converts a lot of like uh like wool and stuff into fiber. She's been doing that for a long time. Was she proud of your beard? Uh, well, you know, when we saw each other, I was wearing a, of her, I was wearing a mask. Of her culture. Of her culture. Come on now. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're made folks through and through, okay? You know what I mean? I, the crazy thing, I didn't have a beard like this in high school whatsoever. Mm. Couldn't grow this for years. Couldn't do it in the military either. Uh, and this mustache still looks like shit, but... <clears throat> All right, back to the beer. Yeah, sorry. Sweet. Little, little hot floral. I'm a fan of those beers that the hop like character is like floral. I really like that. And I don't know why I think it's cause it's easier to hide the booze behind it. Um, but like you get some of those double IPAs and for lack of a better word, they taste like someone crushed a whole bunch of daisies or sunflowers and, th- and threw them into a cup. Uh, yeah. and you crack it and you're just like, Oh, smells like super pungent. Like it's almost like the pollen is going right from the can to your nose. I, I prefer those types of beers. I really, really do. Um, this is this is good. What I will say is, like, as far as mass landing beers that I've had, it's not my favorite. Um, you know, you you get a 
I, like I said, I, I love Idaho seven hop. So I feel like this one doesn't really showcase as much as I want it to. Um, so I would probably have to rate this one. Hold on to your butt. Here comes a four ten. <laughs> no, I, I would give this like a three six. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. turn on a new leaf. No, I, I just, <laughs> I just sort of feel like, and maybe this is bolstered by the fact that Mass Landing puts out so many good yeah. beers that um, you know it's, it's something they were experimental. They went out, it, they went on a limb on, and and I'm sure people like the beer. You know what I mean? It, it's not yeah. a bad beer by any stretch of the imagination, but could I finish a four pack of this? Like probably not. You know what I mean? Like. I, <laughs> This is this is kind of letting me down just a little bit, but I mean, yeah. you know, when you make a hundred beers, you're probably going to have two or three that just won't tickle everyone's fancy. So you can't be yeah. upset about that. I, lo- I love Mass Landing. They're another one for me though. That's not. Um, I won't say hit or miss because I like most of their stuff, but every now and again, there's one you're like, not sure what the idea was here, and I, it just doesn't hit. But they they all have them. They all have them. I know. I said the same thing about um, the triple I had a couple weeks ago. Armada? Armada, Armada Brewing. Yeah, I said the same thing about them. And, you know, they, they remind me a little bit of Mass Landing. I think Mass Landing's got better product, but Armada is one of those where, like, the beers that are good are really good. The ones I like are, are great. But then every now and again, I'll get one where I'm just like, I, I don't understand what the, the process was for this one or what the idea was. And they're just total misses. I've had that can you have right now. That was one of those for me, too, where I was like, hmm. I mean, am I going to turn it down? No. Is it a terrible beer? Nah, but probably not one I'm going to seek out or, or order on the menu next time I see it. Yeah, it's a double too. So I think that maybe like, you know, probably the rush to put a, a lot of stuff in there, you know, might have just yeah. kind of taken a little bit further than it needed to go. Again, yeah. it's not like it's not like it's, it's like it's terrible. I'm not like, oh my God, this is a, this is a, this is a pour down the sink drain. You know what I mean? It's, yep. it's a beer. I'm going to drink it. I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, Dude, three and a half is a good beer. That's a good beer. That's, I mean, I'm starting off 2020. I'm starting off 2021 rough. But I'm not starting off 2021 with a big fat L because, damn, we had a ton of football games on Sunday. There's a time. 16 of them. And uh, I had the Falcons Bucks, and I said, look, Bucks by four. Oh, look, the Bucks, they won. The Falcons, they have a chance. Nope. Whatever Bruce Arians and Tommy Brady worked out on their not golf course chat, um, it's clearly working. Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, over 130 yards apiece, four total touchdowns between the two of them, a 21-point explosion in the fourth quarter of Week 17 just because. Golly. This team is hustling and get into moving, and they're now in a groove. And I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. Uh, Matt Ryan, two TDs, zero interceptions, only one sack. That's the production you're looking for. No Julio Jones. No run game. No run game whatsoever. And spoiler alert, no defense. Uh, it, it handed Atlanta yet another crushing loss. I mean, but at least it's no longer a loss in 2020. It's their first loss in 2021. <laughs> this is true. Uh, some of these I'm not even going to bother to break down all that much just because they were games that didn't matter. Um, there was some writing on this game, but man, I got the Cowboys Giants. Uh, what a way to go out for the Giants in the most 2020 fashion. Uh, after starting the season two and seven, they somehow managed to clinch the division with the worst Super Bowl era score. I mean, with the worst record in the Super Bowl era by a team that won the division, but they needed to win 
or in order to clinch, they needed to or to get in the playoffs, they needed to win and they needed Washington uh to lose later that night. Uh well, spoiler alert, we're gonna get to that a little bit later. Uh, Washington did not lose. The Giants did their part. They had a fourth quarter interception uh, that would have otherwise put Dallas on top. Uh, There's a lot of hoopla about Washington and its starters and the Eagles and how that game was going to play into it, uh, play out. We we're going to get into that a little bit later. The Giants didn't make the playoffs because they lost 10 in a row, now 11 games. Uh, they lost 10 games, now 11. And it's not because of what another team and who they chose to play it it you didn't deserve to win the division you certainly did not deserve a playoff spot so please quietly ride off in the postseason sunset enjoy your downtime work on getting better for next season we'll talk about this one a little bit more later as well yeah <clears throat> look this is andy dalton's fault because last year he beat the ravens so that the bills could get into the playoffs <laughs> and now every nfl team is like oh maybe another franchise will do its best for us Psych? No, they won't. They're doing what's yeah. best for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got a little bit of a rant coming up for that one. So, buckle yeah. your seatbelt, kids. Not only did I not start off this episode with an L, but I didn't start off with back-to-back L's because yes, Patriots. I said, what a precipitous fall for the New England Patriots. No Tommy B. But I'm a realist. It's the Jets. Of course, the Pats are going to win like 21-20. Okay. Only in 2021 can things be righted, and they were. The J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 L-O-S-T, say that three times fast. Adam Gase, fire, finally. (laughs) Cam Newton, four, count them, four total touchdowns, three passing, one receiving, which, Tim, is a franchise record for the New England Patriots because that guy, Thomas Patrick Brady, couldn't catch that Super Bowl pass, which is probably going to go for a touchdown when he dropped it. So, um that's so weird like this felt like the game that we knew newton had in him like all along and of course it came against the jets so you're you can't be like oh my god look you know bill was totally vindicated by the cameron Jarrell newton selection but look no kicker attempted a field goal it was just point after all day touchdowns trading touchdowns in week 17 thank christ um this is probably the only blowout loss of the patriots season conceivably you, you could say that they had that was another rough outing for Darnold. One touchdown, two picks, bunch of sacks, not the kind that comes in money either. Sonny Michelle, Devin Assisi, James White, all of them scored touchdowns. If you needed to realign the chakras for New England, this game did it. And that's how they went. That's how they went out. You love to see it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out uh, in the offseason. Lots of quarterbacks floating around. Maybe uh, a recalling of Jimmy G. No, no you guys are going to get stuck with Carson Wentz. Let's be honest. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That's what's that. happening. Yeah, I could see that. But uh, as long as someone can throw the ball, I think we can gain oh, we can. around that. Yeah, you can throw the ball. All right, uh, Vikings Lions. Uh, I thought this was going to be a little bit of a wake up call uh, after the ass whooping they got from the Saints, and I thought the Vikings were going to win this one pretty easily. The Vikings did win, but it most certainly was not an ass whooping. In fact, it, it turned out to be a pretty good game. Final score was thirty seven thirty five. Kirk Cousins went nuts in this one, though. He had 405 yards, three touchdowns, a rushing touchdown as well. They looked good on, despite being out uh, or despite not having Dalvin Cook in the lineup. Uh, he was unfortunately, he missed the game because of the passing of his father. 
hopefully the season ends up with something that they can build on going into next season with the Lions future up in the air as to what it may even look like next season. That one's going to be a little tough. Obviously they had the coaching changeover. Now there's questions on whether or not Stafford's the guy. Do you build around him or do you slowly move on from him? I think he's a great quarterback. I think he has a lot of promise. Hopefully they can uh, build around him and start giving him more tools, maybe some better coaching. Who knows? But our thoughts go out to Dalvin and his family. Um, on that note, our thoughts and condolences go out to the Dupuis family as well. Dan is yes. a, uh, a, a good fr- yeah. Dan is a good friend of ours from college. He's a fraternity brother of mine. He's going through a very similar loss this week. I uh, just want to let him know, you know, if he hears this, we're thinking of him. We're thinking of his family, and wish you guys uh, all the best. Not the uh, not the best start to the year, from what I understand. Uh, seems to be COVID related, so tough start. Um, you know, hearts got to them. Hearts got to everybody who's off to a rough start this year. Um, but we're thinking of you guys. Yes, indeed. Steelers Browns. Look, I said the Mason Rudolph is playing for the Steelers. The Browns are going to win and go eleven and five, and the Browns did go eleven and five, and the Browns made the playoffs for the first time since two thousand and two. Absolutely wild. Good for them. Again, more chakras just realigning. Maybe, maybe there was a whole bunch of saging going on in NFL locker rooms. I'm not really sure, but you know, you you change the tone. Kevin Stefanski, way to go. Before this game went to halftime, Cleveland had a four-point lead. It seemed like the Steelers were, were content with just kicking field goals and you know, because their first three drives ending it in, in kicks. And then I'm thinking at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Jarvis Landry rushes for a three-yard touchdown, and the Steelers say, All right, fuck this. We, we need to go ahead and, sh- and try and win this game. And they came very close. Two passes course, Chase Claypool, 28 yards out on fourth and two. And then Juju, hashtag hope that helped you in fantasy. Uh, made the game 24-22, Cleveland, but a drop two-point conversion and onside kick from the recovery from the Browns like, pretty much closed this one out. I, I, I don't want to be like, oh, what's wrong with the Steelers? They should have been able to beat the Browns. Like, I think the Steelers were in second gear all night. The, the team obviously needed the rest, and they put together a good game. And, you know, they, their backup quarterback threw a two-point conversion, and, and Chase Claypool didn't catch it. If he does, they tie this game and the Browns maybe don't make the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. hey, we're not talking about taking your foot off the gas like the Eagles did. Um, you spoil it. Oh my, oh, my, oh, my God. Oh, my God. What do you mean Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger didn't start? What are they yeah. doing? You're supposed to play to win every game. What are the, the disrespectful? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a hot take for that, too. Don't you worry about that. But I'm just mm-hmm. saying the Steelers did exactly what they needed to do here. Went out, gave it the old college try. Good for the Browns. I mean, the Browns, they're only a few seasons from 0-16, right? Mm-hmm. On hard knocks, they have a lot of coaches being fired, and here they are, winning record. Here they are, making it to the postseason for the first time since 2002. Like, yeah, you, you got you to gotta hand it to them. There's been a lot that's gone on wrong in that organization, but they finally got something right this year. Even if they hadn't made the playoffs, you still could have been like, wow, we won 10 games. You know what I mean? Like, there's something really to build off of here. And I think they'll do that going forward. Uh, Ravens and Bengals. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So I thought the Ravens were going to win. There was some commentary from the peanut gallery as to when I said it was going to be a big one. 
Uh, it was exactly that. They, yeah, it was a big one. Damn, big one. damn the Ravens uh, just laid down a complete ass whooping. Uh, the Ravens clinched their third straight playoff appearance on the back of this massive ass whooping. I'm going to continue to say it because that's exactly what it was. And it came by way mostly of the ground game. 404 total yards of running. There's only on been the four other teams that have done that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 1950, which is yeah, it's absolutely bananas. It's bonkers. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. The Bengals, they're a team that's kind of on the rebound. You miss your starting quarterback. You've had some other injuries and some lackluster performances. So this isn't exactly hang your hat on material, but considering the last five weeks for Baltimore, it seems like they've sort of maybe righted the ship a little bit. Um should make some exciting football over the next few weeks if they can continue to do this. Um, the nice part is not all of this came on the back of Lamar either. You expect when you see 400-plus yards, Lamar probably ran for 200. Uh, and I think he was just shy of 100. So the rest of the team, it was just their game plan. They went and they executed. Still kind of, for me, draws a little bit of a concern with his arm and whether or not he's just not able to throw the ball right now. So they're game planning around the run. We saw how well the one dimensional game worked out for new England where they couldn't throw the ball. So all they did was run it and they just got stomped once there was enough tape to figure that out. You're about to go into a little bit of a layoff time for some of these teams and a little bit of downtime to kind of game plan and manage some of these. So who knows what happens going forward. Um, but Hellboy end of the year. I'm a big Lamar fan. I'm a big Baltimore fan. So uh, we'll see what happens. I don't I don't suspect they're gonna make it through the playoffs all that deep with just a, a run game. So he's gonna have to figure it out at some point. But that was a hell of a statement piece they put up last weekend. Yeah, it sure was. <clears throat> sure was. Do we need to pour another one out for 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 Burroughs? Real quick. I mean, I don't, I don't know what, what the hashtag let Joey roar movement would have done there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it wouldn't have really done anything. Now, now but, it's hashtag uh, let Joey rest. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, Nick and Sam and all those, all those Ben gals, man. No, look, it's going to be good, but you know, uh, who's, who's the Alabama receiver who just won the Heisman tonight? It's either Jamar chase or that guy. They're going right to the Bengals. Let's be yeah. honest about that. Um, yep. which is good. A couple teams are going to take quarterbacks. There's going to be a team that takes an offensive lineman out of Oregon. That's fine. Congrats to that guy out of the Pac-12. And then there's just going to be a run of wide receivers at the top mm-hmm. of the draft. It's going to happen. And you're going to get teams that are picking probably, I say like 5 to 11, that have a shot at like a, you know, a game-changing wide receiver, and, and good for them. Not good for you for this year, but good for you going forward. Uh, Dolphins, Bills. Look, I thought... I, I and this is again. I get like Drake too much in my feelings. Kiki, do you play football? Do you love me? Do you think you can beat the Bills? Hashtag no. Like what the hell? <laughs> I said Bills will win this one in a squeaker. Bills won this one because the squeaker was the Miami Dolphins in the squeak toy that the Bills were chewing on like a dog. Bills could have sat folks and still won this game. The Bills put fifty six on mm-hmm. a supposedly good. Maybe great Dolphins defense. 28 in the second quarter. 27 in the fourth quarter. The first and the third quarter is they said, nah, we're good. We're not going to score. And then the second and fourth, like, nah, you know what? Let's just go ahead and just open can of whoop ass just because. 
brutal, just brutal. An absolute implosion by Tua Tagovailoa. One passing touchdown, three interceptions. Of course, Fitzmagic couldn't play because he was on the COVID-19 reserve list. But what a terrible time for that to happen, I think we can all say. Um, hopefully he's doing well, though. Shout out to him. Most times, when your team scores 26 points like the Dolphins did, you got a good chance to win the game. But you don't have a chance to win that game when you go against the end shape, peaking at the right time of the season, buzzsaw that is the Bills. You know, there's a lot of much maligned jokes about Bills Mafia, and I got some fans of Bills Mafia to listen to the podcast. I talked some shit. Seattle lost handily to the Bills Mafia, so, like, shout out to them. It's almost like they channeled all of their regular antics, like jumping off trailers into tables and all of that the tailgating experience. And they just said, we know that they're going to get a playoff game. We need to keep it right, Western New York, until we can get there. And they just gave all of their regular antics and all their, like, their power to the team because over the last few weeks, this team has just been like knocking off people left and right. There's been a couple slips, mm-hmm. but when the Bills need to score points, they find a way to do it. And mm-hmm. it's week 17. It's against the Dolphins. You're already the number two or number three seed. You didn't really need to keep your foot in their throat. And the Bills were like, oh, no. No, we're tired of hearing about those four Super Bowls where we didn't win. We're tired of hearing about how no one named not Jim Kelly is not a good Bills player. We're tired of all of this. We're going to go ahead and make a statement. You drop 56 on a team in week 17, a team that was trying to win that game for the majority of it. So to me, when Matt Barkley, your backup quarterback, comes in and he tosses a touchdown against a supposedly good defense, I got a lot of questions about what that Dolphins team is doing. And it's to the point now where the thing is, oh, hey, you took a quarterback last year in the top five, but maybe you need to take another one because maybe this is like Arizona with Josh Rosen. And then you need to go ahead and give up that trade bait so you can go and get a guy like Kyler Murray. Like you already mentioned it this season, Tim. Like you can't just keep pulling the guy mm-hmm. when, he, when he messes up a little bit. You have to keep him in there. Now, the team didn't want to do that because they obviously wanted to reset the culture. You want to win 10 games. You want to go to the playoffs. You want to have a chance to vie for a division title. So that means you throw all the pieces in the basket and you make sure that you, that you have something that you can present. And that's what they did. This was like a participation trophy for the Dolphins this year. Like they said, oh, look at all these games we won. But they have no yep. consistency on offense. And I don't necessarily think that you spend a top five pick on a quarterback and then you go just because the Texans gave up a ton for Larry Tunsil. I don't think you just go and draft another quarterback and say, Oh, well, we need someone to challenge him in the quarterback room. No, you, you have a defense that's beginning to come along. You have an offensive coordinator who probably needs to go. You have a quarterback coach. You need to look it in the face and say, what are we doing here? Yeah. There's so many more places you need to look at, like than spending a high, high draft pick on another quarterback back to back years. It's like to a, Probably has issues with Reed. He hasn't really gotten injured and missed long straights of the game. You pulled him as a coach, Brian Flores, because you wanted to give your team a chance to win. So go give that guy a couple losing games. Yep. And then have him say in the offseason he wants to work with a, a renowned quarterback guru like um, Jordan Palmer or someone else. Call up Peyton Manning and say, can I get on the next episode of Peyton's Places and uh, you know help me out. Watch film. Get better. Do something. But this whole, yeah. let's pull him, we'll put him back. Like, it works in baseball when you have a closer like that because they only throw 40 pitches. It doesn't yeah. work like that in football where you have a guy who's going to toss it 40 times in a game and he needs 75% of those tosses to go for some meaningful yardage. 
this is this is an example of what not to do. And I, I don't know if the, if the Dolphins are getting cute here, but I don't think that's necessarily the right way to go. No, and I think what you're seeing is like this odd trend of rushing uh, high draft picks into the quarterback position. You've seen it with, you know, the Chargers did it. You saw the Cardinals did it. You saw the Eagles did it. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, across the league, everyone's doing it. Not everyone's had the same success as Herbert has had. Kyler Murray came out and had some early success. Not so much. Joe Burrow came out. He had some success. And now he got banged up and is out for the entire season. Not everybody can come in and just hit their stride and just run for it. We saw a little bit with Mark Sanchez. I'm not just to preface. I'm not comparing Mark Sanchez to Tua or anybody from this draft pick, but I think he suffered a little bit from that same sort of mindset where he got in the game, he did well, and then he had to split time with Tim Tebow. And then he went to another team and guess who he had to split time with? Tim Tebow. He never had the time to build that confidence because he knew he was always on a short leash. There was always somebody literally nipping at his heels to try and get that starting position in. And I think you're seeing that just across the board. I think you're going to see that again with, you know, whoever wins the QB lottery going into this next, uh, this next draft, you're going to have teams that are going to draft QBs high and they're going to put them in a little too early. And then the moment there's a problem, let's yank them see what they see how they respond and then boom let's just start planning for another qb next year like the fact that we're already looking to turn over some of the qbs like sam darnold guys who have had struggles because they let's be honest haven't had teams to really build on like baker mayfield is somewhat on the chopping block because he didn't immediately come out of the gate and have immediate success like there's still the option that they didn't pick up for him granted this week and, and making it to the playoffs, I hope makes that you know argument for him, but we're not that far removed from him going in the first round. And people are already saying like, is it time for the Browns to move on? So like, what the, the hell are you talking about? Remember when, yeah. When draft picks had to sit on the bench for like several years to learn a system and then come in. Now you have like four months to learn, come in, perform, or you may be on the chopping block or relegated to backup duty. It's just, it's insane. It's insane. We're going to get into to that a little bit with the uh, with the Eagles a little bit later, but it's nuts. It's nuts. Uh, Seahawks and the Niners. Uh, I thought this was yeah. I thought this was going to be a relatively easy win for Seattle, and it was not. <laughs> that. You have not watched the football. If you thought this was going to be a relatively easy win, Psych. well, the Niners are still without half of their their core on the team. Um, that, that's not the way the Seahawks play football. The no, Seahawks the Seahawks constantly play down to their opponents. Yeah. Like this, this is a team that is two years removed from going up against Patrick Mahomes and winning a 38 to 31 thriller in the same season. They beat Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. And uh, now as a backup, like George Kittle, you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. a third string quarterback and, and they, I, 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 I'm sorry. I'll let you yeah. get it. I'm sorry. No, nah, no, no. It's, it's another game where I, I was right about who was going to win, but definitely wrong about the matchup itself. I really, undervalued the 49ers and the way they were going to come out and play because this one was more interesting more interesting than I thought it was going to be. And it looked like it was even going to be a shocker until the last like two and a half minutes left in the game. Seattle scored three times in the last 11 minutes. And with Myers missing a kick, he was perfect on field goals all season, uh, except for the point after. But they kept it interesting until CJ was sacked and Benson Mayoa, who forced a fumble and it was recovered by 
Rashim Green on the Niners' 17th, gave them the opportunity to take the lead. But before that happened, the Niners were kind of moving the ball at will. They led the game for, like, more than three and a half quarters of the of the game itself. There was a chance for for Seattle to lose this game. And for me, I don't think the Niners are a well-rounded enough team to go up against a team like Seattle. But all season, I've been saying their offense has been a powerhouse, obviously by the numbers that uh, that they've been able to put out, but their defense has been the biggest hole. You know, we thought this is going to be sort of a resurgence of the power defense that Seattle's had in years past that they kind of moved away from over the last couple of years when the, the big four broke up, but it literally hasn't materialized to that. So this was another one where it took a turnover, a quick touchdown to give them the opportunity to come back, score with a few, with two minutes left to take the lead. And thankfully they were able to pull this one out, but it's another gray hair nail biting game when the Seattle had to come back from behind and I got to say, like, it doesn't look too good for the near future when they're going to their first week, they're matched up against the Rams and, and the Rams are definitely a better team than the Niners. Sure. They play to the level of the opponents. So they're going to need to step up their game because the Niners are not a great team. The, I mean, they're, they're already considering rebuilding if they're getting ready to trade Jimmy G. There's lots of conversation about him being offloaded. So that was, a, that was a tough one. I think it sets them up for some big question marks going into the first round. Uh, I don't know if I expect them to make it out of it with that performance, but it's tough to tell because they always change week to week depending on who their opponent is. And the Rams are one of those teams that are also super inconsistent that tend to be up and down. They've been more up and down for the last couple of weeks. So, you know, this could spell disaster for Seattle, but more specifically, I think Russell Wilson tends to play towards the level of his opponents. The defense has just been mediocre the whole time, but for him to not put up many points until, you know, 11 minutes left in the game was a little bit of a surprise to me. So as long as he comes out firing, unless the Rams dial up the, the, the rush, I think we'll get into our predictions in a little bit, but I think it, it has the potential to be a short run for Seattle, unfortunately. Yeah, but Sorry, you, haven't, you haven't watched enough Seattle football to realize that this is always what they do. Pete Carroll's thing is, can you win a game in the first quarter? No. Can you win a game in the second quarter? No. Can you win a game in the third quarter? Hell no. Can you, can you win a game in the fourth quarter? Yeah. That's when all of these, <laughs> like, these comebacks happen. And it's just like, if you're a Seattle fan, get used to it. Like, that's just going to be the way it is. You're saying the defense is mediocre because they got torched the first eight parts, eight, eight weeks of the season. But since the acquisition of Jamal Adams, since the acquisition of Carlos Dunlap, they've actually really turn it around a little bit. So they've gone back to, to the mean. They're not fantastic by any stretch of the imagination. The, the thing that really scares me, for the last, I think, five or seven games, Seattle hasn't, over, had, hasn't had over 200 passes. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get anything done. You, you just won't. Um, no. not, not against the teams you're going to need to go against the playoffs. So I hope that it's more of a, hey, we haven't been putting anything on film because we don't want to give our opponents tape on what to do uh, and not indicative of a struggle to take Tyler Lockett out of crossing routes or we'll just bracket DK up top and they can't do anything because that seems to be the narrative that's being pushed mm -hmm. right now. And when you watch the film, it's very hard not to believe it. No. And I mean, we've, we've said it a million times. This is a mimic league. All it takes is one game where you shut down someone like Metcalf and suddenly it's like, Oh, okay. There's the game. Everyone has an idea 
okay, let's just take Metcalf out of the game. But until you see somebody do it, formulating that plan, if you're not a great defensive coordinator and you're a mediocre head coach, might not be as clear. But the moment you see someone do it, you're like, oh, that's how you do it? Okay, like Hill, after those two explosive games, he, I'm not going to say he hasn't been a non-factor. He's definitely had his plays. He's had big chunk yards. But he's not second records and setting records in the first half anymore. And he's not gobbling up 200 yards a game anymore. So, like, you have one game when you're like, oh, shit. And then everyone kind of adjusts because some team will come in and set the groundwork. And I think, yes, I have I thought Seattle was the worst defense in the league at any point this season? No, but for the first eight to ten weeks, they were very much the same thing as, like, Houston, where they would put up, a shit ton of points, but they'd also give up a ton of points. And in games where they weren't putting up a ton of points and their defense really had to buckle down, those games were a lot closer or come behind wins, or in some cases they were losses because the defense just couldn't get the job done. Have they progressed? Yes, they have. They, they're one of very few teams that seem to have a winning record on the season. So they've done enough to get there, but it's only going to get harder because the Rams might be the, might be the week where you're like, okay, we don't need to be playing our best. But once you get past the Rams, it's a totally different ball game. If you're not playing well, you're going to get blown up pretty quickly. So yeah, I'm, pull- I'm pulling for them, but we'll see. Yeah, a, a few quick stats that don't matter. <laughs> Tyler Lockett set the records reception uh, in a single <laughs> season, 100, 100 receptions. <laughs> he, he broke Bobby Engram and Angry Doug Baldwin's record, um, 94-96 respectively. That was just fantastic. DK Metcalf set the single season receiving yards total over 1300 yards. Way to go. That was set by Steve Largent back in 85. Okay. So like there's been a team, lot. Team or a NFL lot. all time. Team. And a team. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot to be said about where the team is going. Uh, Russ yeah. 40 passing TDs career high. Russ had another 4,000 plus yards. Like, you know, this, this is a great trend we're seeing going forward. We hear all about the coaching poaching that's going to go on here. So like, we'll see what happens. Um, I will say that every time Seattle has gone 12 before they made the Super Bowl, throwing mm-hmm. it out there. Okay. All right. 2005, 2013, 2014, and now hashtag 2020. So we, we will have to see about that. All right. Moving on to Cardinals and Rams. <clears throat> Look, I wanted the Rams to win. Not very badly. I wanted the Cardinals to win. So that both the Rams and the Cardinals could be nine and seven. The Rams could be bouncing the playoffs and we wouldn't have to face them again for the second time in three weeks. Like we're going to have to do next week. Um, God damn you, Arizona. God damn you. We needed you to do one thing, one thing. And it's confirmed. Whatever it was ailing Kyler Murray, it's serious. It's serious enough for him to get pulled from a game. It's serious enough for them to go ahead and say, well, can you go back in and try and win us this game? Because we really kind of need to. And our backup quarterback just threw an 84 yard, you know, pick six. So why don't you come back in and see what happens? Um, look, it just wasn't lay meant to be. Um, whatever the Cardinals had this year, it looks like a flash in the pan. It's been confirmed to be a flash in the pan. They play in a tough division anyways, but injuries hit this team. Not hard though. COVID hit this team, but not hard. It wasn't like they had a dearth of talent at the position of wide receiver or running back. They had some defensive injuries, but you get a guy like Buda Baker that, that really should sort of take it out, even it up. 
You got an air raid offense specifically designed for your quarterback. He's running all over the place. Find a way to protect him. And they just didn't do it. Like, the fact that John Walford and the Rams did enough to win this game 18-7 to is, like, kind of upsetting. Um, because they were just trading field goals for a minute there. And if Card's backup quarterback, Chris Strebler, didn't toss that aforementioned 84-yard pick six, maybe they have a chance. But Arizona here has a lot of shit to figure out. How can you take teams like Seattle and Buffalo to the woodshed? You know, Buffalo with the Hale Murray and Seattle like in the overtime and like handing a team a loss. Like you basically came out roaring like a lion and now you're going out like a lamb. Uh, and I don't think that's what Kyler nor Cliff wanted to do with this season. And I, I want to see how the team responds next year. Uh, their GM may be up for an extension. He, he may be going on. There's I've heard rumors about maybe Cliff Kingsbury not being the man anymore, and they might want to get rid of him because he, you know, he's not, you know, going to get close to a winning record. But like, remember, he did that at Texas Tech, but he also had Patrick Mahomes. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to be the coach that you're willing to lose all kinds of games to have a couple gotcha moments or a couple viral moments, like, cool, you might have a, a two or three year career in this league. You're not going to go far. And I don't think for a franchise like the Arizona Cardinals, this is exactly what they had in mind when they started the season. They, they probably legitimately believe they're on hype and they, and they thought we're going to make a serious play for the NFC West. And, and I, I believe that they had a chance to do that. I think somewhere along the way. And again, I, I go back to the Seattle game, the second Seattle game, because he looked different in that game. To me, that was a defining point in the season. He just didn't have the zip anymore. He didn't have the touchdown field. And they really relied on gimmicks to try and get themselves to the finish line. And against a team like Deshaun McVay led Rams, you just don't have that ability. You got Aaron Donald back there wrecking people. You got Ibu Cam. You have good linebackers and defensive backs that are going to snuff out whatever whatever promise you think you're going to show. So if New Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald aren't tearing up the field and you can't threaten them with a the run, defenses are just going to do what they need to do, which is pin their ears back and just throw you to the turf. And if you're an injured quarterback, they're going to say, oh, that sucks for you. But here you go. Hmm. And that's what happened in this game. Jaguars and the Colts. <clears throat> There's a lot riding on this one because a couple things needed to happen in this game uh, in order for uh, the Colts to make it to the playoffs. You had Baltimore lost to Cincinnati, a Miami lost to Buffalo, or Cleveland lost to Pittsburgh. One of those things did happen, and that's the Miami loss to Buffalo. So despite Rivers only completing 17 passes for 164 yards and throwing a pick, the Colts managed to squeak out a win and make it to the playoffs. <clears throat> Rivers won touchdown, did bump him ahead of Dan Marino in passing touchdowns in the all-time list. They were tied at fifth most in NFL history. Uh, so shout out to shout out to Rivers. Uh, Jonathan Taylor must have been taking notes from the Ravens, though, because Scott, Damn, did he run. And then he ran, and when he was done, he ran just a little bit more. He had 253 yards and two touchdown total, uh, two touchdowns all by himself. Uh, he basically and quite literally carried the team into the playoffs. Unfortunately, they faced the Bills in the first round, so we'll need to see a river runs through it in order to make it out <laughs> of the first round. <laughs> I see what you did there. Otherwise, uh, we got our fill of uh Colts football this season. Um, I don't think they stand a chance against the Bills. The Bills have been a team since like week seven, week eight. I was worried about 
to see what they did to the Patriots, who had a good team, to see what they've continued to do on their way out. Um, that's a scary-looking team. If it wasn't for the superstar statistics put up by Aaron Rodgers uh, this season, I would say uh, that, you know, that dude was is is prime for the MVP candidate because you take Rodgers out of that system, they're going to struggle. But the way Buffalo has turned it around, I mean, that, that whole program looks and feels drastically different. So, uh, unfortunately, I think it's not on them, but I do think they are going to steamroll the Colts through, uh, through week one. Excuse me, I just had a burp there. <laughs> That's the mass landing. Um, shout out mass landing. A friend of mine I had posted a status about, you know, she needed some uh, f- fantasy football Hail Marys. And I said, all right, the stats of our podcast, we're, we're here for you. She's like, don't let me down, Blue. I'm like, all right, cool. What's your roster? She said, I got Jonathan Taylor, Melvin Gordon. And there was a couple other, like, uh, and Austin Eckler. And I said, look, I want, I want to believe Austin Eckler is the guy, right? There's been some shocking, you know, usage trends over the last few weeks. Jonathan Taylor, he's been one of the, the stalwarts there. She's a Colts fan, so I said, you got to stick you got to stick with Jonathan Taylor. You just got to do it. And Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, that pick didn't look like it was going to pan out until he, you know, he got some points too. But Taylor, early on in that game, I just keep getting these, these, uh, these big play updates on the NFL app, and it's like, you know, Jonathan Taylor, 52 yards. Jonathan Taylor, 28 yards. Jonathan Taylor, 30-some yards. I'm like, oh, my God, this is working out fantastic. And you just kind of feel like, okay, Clearly, the Colts have had this guy on their rec- on their their roster all season, and they're like, "Nah, we're gonna go with Naheem Himes for a little bit, or we're gonna go with like another another running back." And it's just like, you know, the most dynamic person you have on your roster at that position is available, and you, whether it's just like you didn't get the hot hand going, or like maybe he just didn't get the playbook until later on in the season. Like that's a really good thing for you because Rivers isn't exactly tossing four bills and you know a couple TDs every week. So if you yeah. can get a guy like Taylor to sort of carry you a little bit, that's what you want. Yeah, I think uh I think this will honestly be I'm going to guess Rippers last year. Well, I mean, it, I, if they don't make it deep, you know, I, I think they'd probably have to take a look at uh I think at what happened there. I think deep or not deep. I think I think this is the one where we're we're on the verge of a bunch of the generations uh, uh, the quarterbacks of like our generation at this point are making their way out. Like we've seen a lot yeah. of them come and go. Drew mm. Brees is probably done after this season. Um, so quick hit. Gonna... Quick hit. Yeah. You think you think that Rivers belongs in the Hall of Fame? Uh, I mean, he doesn't have postseason hardware, but I mean, he's an Iron Man. Like you know, he's been out there for as many games as you could possibly want. He's out. He's constantly like a student of the game. He's dedicated to it. He's moved teams. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was prolific in San, just, San Diego. Uh, he just passed Marino in the all time list. So yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at the hall of fame, you got to look at a couple different scenarios. You got to look at performance. You got to look at playoff appearances. You got to look at championships one, but you also got to look at like what that player meant to the league. And I, I know Herbert has done well, but every time I think Chargers, I still have a hard time not thinking of Rivers as that quarterback. So, like, he played on that team for so 
long and in doing so they were always part of the conversation they were always part of like no, every NFL meme that went around. Do you remember the the text message, the group text message? Yeah, the pick uh, six from CBS before, Sports. Yeah, before the uh, before memes were were really memes, you had the NFL like group chat, uh, like spoofs that were going around where it was a quarterback. Like Philip Rivers was always like a staple in that. So, yeah, I think you know fourth on the list of all time touchdowns is is a hell of a feat. Um, he's not nearly as old as someone like Tom Brady. He's not as old as, uh, as some of those guys, you know, who are going to ultimately finish above him in that list. But, um, yeah, I would say maybe not first ballot, but I would say, I would say he's, he, he definitely belongs there. I mean, he means a lot to the league. He was a big portion of its development and popular. I mean, not that it needed a ton of help in popularity, but. He's one of the most recognizable names in football in the quarterback position over the last like 15 years, we'll say. So, yeah. Do I think he's first ballot? No, I think you need a little bit more hardware to make that happen. But do I think he belongs there? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Good to know. Good to know. Titans-Texans. I I thought that the Titans had to win this game to take the AFC South crown. And that's what I saw happening. And that's exactly what happened. Now, if you look at the box score, okay. Uh, 41 to 38. You think, wow, the Texans had a chance to win this game. The Titans almost lost this game. Psych. No, the Titans didn't. Derrick Henry needed 233 yards to make the 2,000-yard rushing club. And he went for 250. Had a 52-yard touchdown as his longest score of that game. Deshaun Watson, try as he might, did everything. Because... Lord knows the defense wasn't doing a damn thing all game. Bill O'Brien has to be a happy camper because he watched David Johnson rush for 80 yards and another score, but it did not matter. Brandon Cooks, 166 yards, two touchdowns. That was a way for him to back up the quote that he'd said earlier in the week that I ain't accepting any more trades. For a guy that went from the Saints, Rams, Patriots, to the Texans, I completely agree. You mm-hmm. have talent. You have a knack for catching concussions like people catch colds. That's not really good but I appreciate and I applaud how Brandon still wants to be part of the game. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's trying to be more than just that deep throw burner. You can't, as a Texans team, you can't go against the Titans and just not stop Derrick Henry. It's unacceptable. No. Like you play this guy twice a year and you played him more times than you probably care to count. And a guy goes for a 52 yard score. And then Vrabel says, nah, stay in the game. Let's keep going. Let's run up the board on him. Because their defense wasn't stopping a ton of people either, right? So that's something that might set them up for not success in the future. But it's almost like, okay, picture this. You're hunting. You miss with the first shot. The deer is like limping. You know you should put it out of its misery. But you decide to let it go ahead and take you on a three-mile chase through the woods, clearly not getting any more life out of itself. And then you go ahead and put it out of its misery, and you're like, oh, I'm a great hunter. No, you're a dick. And that's kind of what the Titans were in this game. They're like, we could totally put the Texans out of their misery, but we're not going to. Derrick Henry, keep keep beating the ball. Think about this. A.J. Brown had 150 receiving yards and a touchdown. Tannehill threw one touchdown to A.J. Brown. Tannehill threw less than 200 yards. Everything that the Titans offense needed went through Derrick Henry. And the Texans defense was like, nah, fam, we're good. We're not going to stop him today. I mean... 
I expected more out of that team. And to see the box score end up the way that it did, I mean, Tennessee, you know, put extra points on the board as time expired. Like, they, they clearly were never at a, at a spot in this game where they're like, oh, my God, we're going to lose. They were just like, okay, we're going to win. It's going to be a lot closer than we want it to be. But let's go ahead and take all those plays out of the playbook that we've wanted to use all season and we haven't. And let's just throw at the wall and see if they stick. And then every single run blocking, run blocking play that they had just went for 50 yards. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Checking something real quick. No, never mind. Were you going to spot check me? No, no, no. Because for some reason, my name. No, because for some reason, I thought that uh, I thought the Titans game ended in overtime. It just ended like at the last minute. Uh. All right, uh, <clears throat> Raiders Broncos. This is another one of those games. I'm not going to spend too much time on. Uh, it was a pretty great game, to be honest. It did come down to the last minute, um, and the Raiders did come out on top. Both QBs had a, a hell of a day, too. Carr went for 371 yards, and Drew Locke went up for 339. The turnover bug fit the Raiders pretty hard, though. Uh, Carr had two picks, and the offense fum- fumbled twice. Um, to be fair, though, one of the interceptions was a a Paul Waller tip that landed right in the hands of one of the defensive backs. Um, and the other one I thought was maybe a missed helmet to helmet to rugs that looked like it knocked him out cold. Uh, he kind of spun off of a, a tackle and then a defender came in and literally collided head to head with him. And he didn't even make an attempt for the ball. The ball came out and, and never came back. So I don't know if you can necessarily fault him for that one. Um, but there were a lot of promising things to take away from the teams going into the offseason. But the big question mark here is the Raiders and how they've been so inconsistent all season. And in being inconsistent, they've also been very big underachievers. We know Gruden's tied up for a long-term contract, but I honestly think he ends up in the hot seat going into the offseason. Uh, and if not, they may keep him on a short leash for next season because they were one of those everyone was talking about. They came in, they were playing smash mouth football. They were playing that old school style. Carr happened to be playing well. Carr did finish the season incredibly well. Um, it, despite what the team and the numbers look like, he himself, I think, in, individually made the biggest improvement that from me and looking at quarterbacks that we kind of not necessarily poo-pooed on, but, but guys that we didn't have a lot of faith in. He was one of those guys that came out and really kind of turned it on some games, not every game, but enough of them that I, I think they have a lot of promise going into next season. He's in the 4,000 yard club this season. He had 4,100 yards. Uh, he only threw nine interceptions, which, you know, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers in a minute and why his season was so great. Um, he threw obviously twice as many touchdowns, but only threw five interceptions. So for Carr to only throw nine interceptions is, is 
I mean, pretty good for Carr. Uh, he last season he had one less, but the seasons before that, and the last five seasons before before that, uh, interceptions were a pretty big deal. So to see him have you know multiple seasons in a row with four thousand plus yards passing, uh, to see the steady increase in touchdowns year over year. I think you get him going with a couple guys on the team. And I think they can, they, they're, they're poised to do pretty well. I'm not a huge fan of Gruden as a head coach in the modern era. I think he was great back when, you know, it was a defensive league. They weren't protecting quarterbacks as much. It wasn't as reliant on the, on the passing game, but I don't think he fits. I, I don't necessarily think he fits the modern scheme. So We'll see how that one pans out. Both of them have a lot of promise. I think the Raiders have the most upswing coming into next season. Um, Drew Locke, I think, was a big surprise for uh, for me in general. So I think that'll be a fun one to watch. Um, but, you know, this is one of those games that was meh. Yeah, and, you know, of course, the news is now that uh, John Elway is stepping down from, you know, GM-type role. So yep. we're going to see how that 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 uh, that goes out. But I mean, it's a tough division to be in AFC West. It really is. Speaking of that, Chargers Chiefs. The, the Chiefs are going to lose this game. They're going to end the season fourteen and two, number one seed in the AFC. That's exactly what happened. Okay, uh, Chad Henney, Darwin Thompson. Those were your stat leaders for the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and Darwin ended up with a less than a hundred total yards. Two TDs though, so that helped. But um, the Chargers put together 38 points. And Anthony Lynn still got fired. <laughs> Lynn is 33 and 33 as a coach. Something doesn't add up here. Um, I understand that you know this league is win now, but Lynn is a coach that has proven that he deserves to be in that position. Uh, and I understand he was a coach for four years, but like I got questions for the Spanos family. Like, what it, you you took many, 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 many years of Phillip Rivers and inadequate coaching carousels. Anthony Lynn comes in, absolutely changes the culture. Four years later, he's gone. I don't get it. Now, I think he'll, I think he'll be in the running for other head coaching jobs. You know, if not that, then he, I think he'll still be in the NFL. But, like, this guy is a good offensive mind. It, he should not have been let go. Um, 300 yards, three touchdown outing for Justin Herbert. I mean, this game took place six weeks ago. Maybe Lynn doesn't get fired. But the Chiefs just, they did the smart thing. They rested their players and left the backups in the whole dang time. And it still didn't save Lynn's job. Like, if you win four games in a row to end the season, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not happy about that. No. I mean, I, I put him up there with, like, or I compare him to guys like Gacy. We were like, how was that man not fired a long right. time ago? But yeah. he, fired he in week be- 17 on a 2-14 and 14 season. Yeah. But like, sure, fire the guy that went, three, that went 500. One. Yeah, like I, I don't know if I mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys are going to end up in the league. Like, uh, they'll, they'll be Gacy will end up being an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. So he'll he'll end up a coordinator. I think Lynn, if he doesn't get another head coaching gig, he'll probably get another shot. But if not, he'd be a good quarterback. Patricia, you know his history and what what what's going to happen there. He'll probably end up a court uh, a coordinator somewhere else. So, um, Anyway, Packers versus the Bears. Uh, this used to be one of those games you kind of circled because Packers-Bears in like the Erlocker era 
was one of those that was like, oh, yeah, we got Brett Favre going up against one of the best defensive teams in the league. This is going to be great. Mm, loses a little bit of that now. But Packers just shit all over the Bears. Literally just steaming pile of shit right on top of their chest. Uh, and <laughs> and, and a, a couple uh, of guys across the league might have gotten a little excited. Uh, anyway. Uh, 35-16, they clinched the number one seed in the NFC for the first time in 10 years. Uh, Aaron also sort of cemented his spot atop the MVP candidate list because he had four touchdowns in this game. He had a 240-yard performance, brought him to 51 total touchdowns uh, combined on the season, both between rushing. 48 of those came via passing. The other three that are above him were Manning in 2013, Mahomes back in 2018, and he won Tom Brady, who leads the list back in 2007. And each one of those guys won the MVP in those years. So if I was a betting man, I might be inclined to slide a little bit of cash in that direction. Uh, His first half, though, was pure just insanity. It was 10 for 10, three passing touchdowns, that level of efficiency is something maybe you would see in a Madden game. Um, not me, because I'm terrible at Madden, but other people might do that well in a video game. He only missed five on the day total. All season, he's had only five interception and he fin- five interceptions, and he finished with uh, 4,299 yards for the regular season. The Bears, uh, it was a lackluster outing, but they're not done yet. The Cardinals loss still puts them in the playoff with a seventh seed. And even if they did have a six game losing streak, that's still nuts that, you know, in this season where we had so many losing records and players still vying for playoff positions to have one of those teams squeak out a, a playoff spots. Crazy Trubisky did have a decent outing. He was unable to finish in the red zone pretty much the entire game. He was able to move the ball around. He was 33 of 42. He had 252 yards. But as of late, everything has started to come together for him. I think he got a little bit of a confidence boost when they put him back in, and now he knows that just as quickly can be taken away. So I am hoping to see him progress going into next season. I think there's a lot of things there to build on. I'm not as down on Trubisky as a lot of folks are. Um, Is he a great quarterback? I don't think I would call him great. Do I think he's sort of like the Eli Manning for the bears, the top of the middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah. I would say like, oh, no man. Bears I don't fans think you're going to hate us. Nah. I, yeah, no. But what I'm saying is like, are, are those two guys the same? No, but I think he's maybe top of the middle of the pack. Like if anybody calls Mitchell Trubisky, an elite quarterback, they are just biased and not paying attention. Do I think he has the ability to be a good quarterback down the road? Yeah, and I think we're seeing sort of that transition towards the end of the season. I I honestly, and this isn't me being biased against him or the Bears, I just, I, there's something he's not seeing yet in his game that generates turnovers. It generates some pretty big misses. So I got some faith in him. I think he'll be fine. Um, I don't think they're going to make a deep run in the playoffs. And if they do, they're going to be one of those stories outside of maybe Washington where you're like, oh, well, that's a surprise. So we'll see what happens. Correct. Only in a, in a year like 2020 could you be 8-8 eight and eight and make the playoffs. Oh, go, you know, it gets worse. 
Way to go, Cardinals. Way to go. All right, Saints, Panthers. I said, uh, look, Saints by 15. Saints by a hell of a lot more than 15, okay? Five interceptions by Saints defense. Drew Brees played well into the fourth quarter for no reason whatsoever. Saints won this game 33-7. Taysom Hill, rushing touchdown. Alvin Kamara didn't play because the entire running back room was possibly, you know, high risk for COVID. That didn't matter. The Saints are clearly trying to do one thing this year. Hey, don't forget about us. We're still here. And, oh, by the way, we can still go deep in this thing. And do I really believe that against a 5-10 and a 10 team like the Panthers? No, not really. You're supposed to win that game anyways. They did win the division four years in a row. You know what I mean? You got to hand it to them. They know how to keep things locked down. It'll be interesting to see what they do going forward in the playoffs because the Saints that you see in the regular season, just they always come up short of like making the number one seed. Like there's not been a year in the NFC where like the Saints have like come out and they're like, we're going to have home field advantage throughout. There's been like one or two. But for the most part, like they have so much talent that they should have been perennially loaded. They should have been the number one seed multiple years in a row. And for them to be the number two seed this year, as Green Bay goes 13 and three, like one more, like one more game. You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. come on. There, there, there should have been things happened like in season. Peyton has that team right where they need them. I think they'll be fine, but I didn't need a 33 to seven romping in week 17. I needed like a, like a, a 12 to seven game just to really say, we're the saints. We have so much talent that we have no running backs that we can, we can set in this game, but we will win the game by five or 10. All right. It's here. The one most people have been waiting to listen to. The most, <laughs> what most people have been Shout talking out about. Nate. Yeah. But most people have been talking about uh, for the last few days. And spoiler alert, most of this isn't going to be about Washington. And it's not for the reason you think. I got the football team and I got the Eagles. And man, oh man, oh man, the seven and nine Washington football team after one of the most improbable seasons in recent memory behind a quarterback who had his leg all but cut off on the road to recovery, whose team faced with sexual assault allegations, a controversy in the team name, their young QB who was supposed to be the future of the franchise is no longer with the team and a coach who was battling cancer. After all of that, they were handed one last gift for the regular season. And that was a win over the Eagles, which generated a playoff berth. With a losing record, the Washington football team has made it to the playoffs. How you ask? Well, <clears throat> there are a few reasons, but if you take in, if all you do is just take in the memes and you take in all of the Facebook posts, you look at the regular media coverage, you listen to your Giants fans and everybody else, you'd probably be outraged at the fact that Eagles sat Jalen Hurt and in doing so seemed to tank in the last game and they handed the Giants the final blow to lock them out of the playoffs. There were draft implications. If they won, they were going to pick ninth. If they lost, they picked sixth. So that was something that was being floated around. But I'm going to stop you all right now, all right there, and I'm going to call a little bit of bullshit on that one and tell you to cut the nonsense out. Nah. If it, nah, nah hold fan. on. 
Nah. If the Giants wanted to be in the playoffs, they should have won more games. They shouldn't have finished the season with a losing record. And I want to be completely clear. You're going to hear a ton of fans calling the move bullshit to sit Jalen Hurts, and it was unfair and it was disrespectful to the game. Jalen Hurts was not going to win that game, period. In fact, with a sloppy star from Nate Suffield, if you don't know who that is, go ahead and Google him. He's the backup. He's the third-string quarterback. If he was given the same amount of playing time that Hurts had for that game, he probably would have had a similar, if not better, stats. Listen to the stat line. Jalen Hurts was 7 for 20. He had a total of 72 yards. He had an interception. He had a sack, and he had zero touchdowns. He had two touchdowns that he carried in on his own, but other than that, he was not getting the job done. Washington didn't play well. Smith gave up two interceptions, but both Smith and Sims fumbled the ball, yet the Eagles still couldn't do anything. For everyone saying you play to win every game, Hurts was not winning them that game. That was even part of the game plan. They say, hey, Maybe we'll sit Hurts. We'll put Suffield in to change him up and get a few reps. They're not vying for a playoff position. I don't want to hear anyone complaining about any other teams resting either. Big Ben, watch the game from home with his dogs. Where's the outrage there? Is anyone complaining? No, Mahomes didn't play. Tyreek Hill didn't play because they rested players. There are different reasons for resting. You rest for the playoffs. You rest to see what you have so someone doesn't get injured going into the offseason. You're not in the playoffs. You, it is not your responsibility to play a game so that another team can make it into the playoffs. Teams across the league rest players going into the playoffs or into the offseason all the time. You have guys who are hurt. Wentz was out. He didn't even suit up. The Eagles were not going to win that game regardless of who they had playing in the quarterback position. You got to suck it up. You got to move it on to next season because Giants fan, here's a pro tip. You want to make it to the playoffs? Start by finishing the season with a winning record. Stop relying on other teams to beat your opponent who also has a losing record when the team that you need to win isn't playing great football anyway. Like the Eagles starting Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts' record going in until the fourth quarter where he got pulled. Mind you, the fourth quarter when he got pulled, he completed seven passes. He had zero touchdowns. They were not going to win that game. Damn. Putting Seffield, putting in their backup, almost gave them a better chance to win. If Absolutely have- not. Like what? What is in that Marlowe beer that that you've been drinking? Because like it must be nine percent. You must be feeling it. You can't say, oh, Hurts. You know, he didn't have any passes that was good or a touchdown. Like Hurts hasn't played most of the games this year because they've tried to get, they've tried to make fetch Carson Wentz happen. Like the only thing that happened here is that Peterson talked all week in the production meetings with, with the commentary crew that was going to call the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, we really like Nate Sudfield. I get it. It's week 17. You want to see what you got. However, Nate Sudfield has been a dude who's been on that team for four years. And by the way, a couple of years ago, Josh McCown was getting snapped. Don't tell me about Nate Sudfield now. That's trash. They had a chance to win that game, and they chose not to do it. They actively chose not to win that game. And How did they have a chance to win? They didn't score a touchdown since the second quarter. Yes, but that doesn't the mean that you quarter? don't have a play that's going to come up. That's a coaching issue. That's a coaching issue. That's 100% a coaching issue. They have enough talent to win some of the games that they did this year, and then they just decided to say, oh, you know what? Against the Washington football team, we'll go ahead and we'll let them have it. It'll be a nice moral victory. Now, I get that all the Giants fans are upset. They should be. 
because they put their faith in the Eagles, a division rival, to hand them a spot to the playoffs. That isn't going to happen. If it was Did outside they, of the division, that would have happened. But, like, not in scored, the division. They scored zero touchdowns in the first quarter, two yeah. in the second quarter, and zero points for the next three. Not even a field goal. Yeah. So I, for anyone to I'm say. Away. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Anyone to say they, they took him out of the game. He was not getting the job done. So what do you have to lose? You're not vying for a playoff you, position. You can't, you can't change your, your, your line of thought on this, Tim. You just said with the two, you just said with Tua and Fitzmagic that you shouldn't just keep pulling a guy out. You got to let a guy in there and get a chance to lose. And then when it's the Eagles, you're like, nah, nah, pull hurt. That's what you needed to do. No, so I feel it gives you a better my, chance my, to win. My, no, 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 no my argument, my argument is not that they pulled him and put anybody in. It's the Giants fans trying to shit on the Eagles to say, okay, look, this is this is why we're not in. They purposely did it. No, they didn't purposely oh, yeah. do no, it. I don't think they purposely they were, did it. I honestly think they were either attempting to play for a win because the guy who came in was on track to do better than Hertz did in the three quarters that he was there. In the half of a quarter, he put up half the numbers that Hertz did for the entire game. So if everyone's like, we're playing, for, he came out and said, yeah, well, I mean, we were playing for the win. Hertz wasn't getting the job done. We have seen not just Tua get benched and comparing the two scenarios is different. Tua gets benched like once a game and they pull in Fitzmagic and they call it the Fitzmagic and they, and they call him the closer. This isn't that this is Hertz has been in for a couple games. Wentz wasn't suited up. Hertz wasn't getting the job done. And now you got to be concerned about Hertz getting hurt because he's either not seen the ball. Well, he's it's pretty gets hurt. That's a risk he's willing to take. If you tear an ACL or an MCL because you can't get the ball out, you're not seeing game well, you're out for a year now. But why, so is like, seeing the, why is he not seeing the field, Tim? Because he hasn't got meaningful snaps all season because they tried to make fetch Carson Wentz happen. Sure. That's an Eagles, that, that's an Eagles problem. That's an Eagles problem. That's sure. what it is. That, that's fine. Yeah. But to pin the Giants' postseason hopes and to say it was because the Eagles were purposely trying to tank, no. For, they very well, in my opinion, they made that move because there are plenty of teams all season going into the fourth quarter. It's just not getting done. All right, let's just see if a change in the quarterback position is enough to spark this team. And it literally, it almost, it you do almost that in week hit. 13. You don't do that week 17, Tim. You don't do that week matter. 17. You're not, you're not in the playoff. You're not, you're not vying for a playoff position. The only thing riding on that game is one of your division competitors making it into the playoffs or not. All of the whining, bitching, and moaning by Giants fans saying he they purposely did that. It's just it okay. It's it's fucking right. nonsense right. let's, because let's, you finished with a losing record. You finished yeah, with a losing yeah, record. Yeah, I hear, I hear you on that. I hear you on that. games. I hear you on that. I hear you on that. Let's let's think about this though. Right. This is my final thought on this. Okay. Obviously, I don't I don't take too much of your time up here. <laughs> You've done enough pontificating. Yeah. Imagine Daniel Jones was up 15 points on the Chiefs in mm-hmm. a game. And then the Giants were like, you know what? Colt McCoy gives us a better chance to win the game. No, he doesn't. If you've got a quarterback that is in rhythm in the game and is in a, play, in a, in a chance to win, in a position to go ahead and score your points to get a chance to possibly win the game and possibly make the postseason and possibly get a division title, you, you don't yank him. And the Eagles just decided to say, uh, Wait, the well, Eagles. The Eagles were not up for what? What do you mean? They were. They were up fourteen ten. They were up fourteen ten, and then then they relinquished that lead, and they never took it back. And this is the problem. This is the quarterback coach 
Doug Peterson, we're going to take everything out of our playbook to go ahead and throw it at the New England Patriots. We're going to win this Super Bowl regular well, season. He, he, well, he no, I just don't think like, you know. But you know, he was in the, he was in the game. Win. Even though he we drafted game this guy in the, in the second round, he doesn't really give us a chance to win. Like, come on. That just, it doesn't make sense. It, it's weeks. I drafted him in the second round. He's Damn coming it. off of an injury and they should not have started like him. Tim, if it looks like a duck and quacks like a duck, is it a duck? Not by that, your line. Not, that, your logic no, says that, it, it's not a duck. It's a goose. Now, that's what you're saying. You've been, you've been, you've been fucking brainwashed <laughs> by sports radio. <laughs> he was in the game when they gave up every single touchdown they had. He was in the game when he did not when score. When they gave up a touchdown, he's the defense. He's Jalen Hurts. No, when the, he was in the game when they allowed Washington to come back and take the lead. He wasn't putting up any more points. He wasn't even putting him in positions to. That's a team did, problem. Of course, it's a team problem. No, it's a team problem, and it's an execution problem on your quarterback position. We've seen it. This is the exact reason why I say Tua needs a couple of these games to struggle. But it's also the same reason they pull Tua to put another quarterback in because sometimes that spark is all you need. And they literally almost yeah. had it twice. They yeah, but almost had it. Is way better than Nate Sudfield. You've had Sudfield on the roster for four really years. Really he couldn't even beat out Josh McCown. Good. Couldn't even beat out Josh McCown. There's no reason that dude needed to be in that game. Ah, I'm not saying. I I think they may have been like, well, shit. We have nothing else going on here. They definitely Let's said, oh shit, we have position. nothing. Yeah. Let's see if changing <laughs> the position should do it. But everyone's shitting on them for choosing to pull pull Hurts out of the game, but also not shitting on Big Ben sitting out or Tyreek Hill sitting out. Or come on, it's just tired. It's lazy. It's lazy commentary to complain about them pulling Hertz when Hertz clearly wasn't getting the job done. And it's it's like sending a boxer out in the seventh round when he's getting his ass kicked. He's literally not getting anything done. You can't put a backup quarterback in there. So I mean, you can't put a backup boxer in there. So what are you gonna do? Just keep sending him out and get his ass kicked? Yeah, but you're not you're not sending a backup boxer in the in the, the eighth or ninth round of a twelve round prize fight. That guy's gonna sit out there and he's gonna he's gonna take the L. This is week 17. It happens or 10 and one Wait, team. What? 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 All right. I, I'm not I'm not questioning your boxing fandom, but I will say oh, I, have really zip, I have built the zip. Yeah, really. exactly. <laughs> I will tell you that those fights get stopped early all the time. Go watch a Lomachenko fight if you want to see where those guys were just like they called him Nomas Lomachenko because they would literally sit in the corner and just be like, I'm good. No, I'm oh, good. I, I don't want any more of this. Right. We're gonna have to talk about Nomas Garcia here in, in like the next yeah, couple yeah, episodes, yeah. but uh, all right, all right, anyway, I'm moving Giants, quit your bitching. It's not Philly's fault that you guys suck. Get your shit together, try again next season. Stop pinning your hopes on a team who has a four and 11 record. That's true, that's true. Yeah, well, four 11 and one. Yeah, four 11. The, the tie doesn't hurt them. Okay, yeah. on to the playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs. Here we go. Wild card round, Tim. We have a Saturday and a Sunday filled with three games apiece. We have a triple header on Saturday and Sunday. We ain't getting shit done this weekend except watching football. Let's go. I got Colts Bills 105. Colts on a lesser version of the Bills might have had a chance in this game. I want to believe that the Colts can put up points. And I think the Colts will put up points. But I think that the Bills are going to race out to something that they're just, that the Colts aren't going to be able to erase. You know, like, there's just so much about this Bills team right now that's complete. Defense, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, how accurate he is, how he 
he still has the threat of the run, but like they have enough of a running game that he doesn't need to, but he can. He's able to unload on some of these deep, deep passes. Diggs, Gabriel, Cole Beasley. It's just Dawson Knox. It just seems to be like enough. It's going to be enough to get the Bills by the Colts. Easy. I, I think 14-point win by the Bills. Mm, okay. Okay. <clears throat> I got Rams, Seattle. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, points scored obviously leans towards Seattle. They rank eighth in the league. Uh, the Rams this year, surprisingly enough, rank 22nd in the league. Points allowed, they also rank first in the league. Um, so this one's going to be an interesting matchup because the points allowed on the, and by the way, this this ranking for anyone who doesn't follow, the higher you on the list, uh, the better the the least amount of points you you give up so the rams all season are number one in preventing teams from scoring where seattle's 15th in the league so um this one is going to come down to two things one seattle needs to have another just explosive outing where they're putting up like 30 or 40 points i think because if golf is playing at his normal level I I genuinely think that they have a good chance of putting up a ton of points. Um, but the Rams all season have been one of those teams that are... <clears throat> so when it comes to Seattle, you know they're going to put up a ton of points a lot of the time, but their defense is also going to up, give up a ton of points. For some reason with the Rams, they finished 10-6. You never are really sure what you're going to get out of this team week in and week out. Um, so this one for me, this one's a tough. You got Cam Akers. If he's coming out firing, you got Goff doing his thing. I think they stand a chance of making this one pretty competitive. I My, my gut leans towards Seattle because I think they're going to put up a ton of points. All they need to do is stop Akers, maybe stop Rob Woods on like a couple key plays to keep some, some points off the board. I think this one's going to be a close one. I do think it's going to be Seattle, but I think it's going to be a high scoring affair. I think it's going to be something like, you know, 31, 27, some, something crazy. Um, but I do think in typical Seattle fashion, it's going to be a nail biter for most of it. Yeah. Yeah. So looking <laughs> forward to it. It's a good thing it's not at four o'clock, so I can uh, get a good liquid coat on and then recover the rest of the day. <laughs> Here we go, Washington. Look, if I'm deep in my feelings like Drake, I'm thinking the Washington football team has a chance. But let's be honest, the Washington football team has a defensive line. That's it. And Alex Smith, comeback player of the year, named the award after him. <sighs> I just don't. I don't see it in the cards. I really don't. Think about this. The Washington football team had their first primetime game last Sunday night. They get their second primetime game this Saturday night, and uh, they're going to split. They're going to go 500 in primetime games. They're going to win one, lose one. They're going to lose this game by, like, I, I think this one could get ugly. Yeah, I, I want to say they, they have a chance to lose this game by, like, 21. Yeah, they almost lost to the Eagles. Like, let's put that out there. 
And that was with the stats I just read about Jalen Hurts only going seven for twenty and whatever. I don't want to. I want to go back. <laughs> on that. Anyway, um, so I got the evening game. Uh, oh no, sorry, I got the one o'clock game on Sunday. One Ravens Titans. I have been Team Tannehill till the wheels fall off all season. Uh, this is where I think those wheels fall off. Unfortunately, I think uh, the Ravens or the Titans. Titans. Wow, that's but that, that's bold, man. That's bold. I know, I know. But here's here, okay. Here's where I'm at. Let's go. This, Let's this go. One's a, this one's a tough one for me because I I am I I've said I'm the bus driver on the redemption tour for Tannehill all this season. Early season, I thought, man, this guy could be MVP candidate. Uh, he's fallen off obviously a little bit. Has been quite the same. Uh, but they're still fourth in uh, the league for points scored each game. So when I say little, it's relative. He's still playing his ass off. Uh, but a lot of it, as of late, has relied on whether or not Derrick Henry can get moving. Uh, the downside to that is they're going up against uh, the Ravens, and that team is second in points allowed this season. So they're doing a phenomenal job of keeping guys out of the end zone. They only average about 18 points a game. Um, trade off Tennessee is fourth in the league in, in points scored. So they're averaging like 30 points a game. So there's obviously going to be a little bit of a balance there. Baltimore's not that far behind them. They rank seventh. They average about 29.3 points. So they're less than a point separating the two teams, but, I think Baltimore coming off of their five-game stretch, they're kind of figuring it out. They're going to have to go up against the team that's able to shut down one of the dimensions because the Baltimore Ravens right now look like a one-dimensional team. I don't think the Ravens' defense is good enough to stop that because they average 27 points allowed each game. So if your points scored average 30, but the team you're going up against only averages about 18.9 points that they give up per game. Obviously, you're probably going to land somewhere around the mid 20s unless you ball out and the Ravens have uh, a mediocre game. So, if you just look at the statistics and the math, I know we say it doesn't it doesn't matter, but this one heavily leans towards Baltimore. Um, and some of these numbers I don't think necessarily reflect the last five weeks from Baltimore either. They had a bunch of rough games in that mid like the the week six to week 10 stretch that's going to bring these averages down. Um, I think, I think the Ravens are fine in their footing. Do I think they're going to make it to the Super Bowl? No, I think a team's going to figure out how to stop the run and then they're in trouble. Um, it's always difficult with Lamar being that additional runner you have to pay attention to, but a team is going to figure out a way to do it. Just going to close them in sort of suffocate everybody and then force them to throw it. And he hasn't been able to throw it well, but I do think this is a game. Uh, they're so identical. They're so identical as far as like records and everything go. I got to go Baltimore. I'm going Baltimore in this one. Whew. I know it hurts me. Henry's having a great year, but you've already seen you stop Henry. It's a different looking team. You can't stop everybody on the Ravens as we just saw last week with the 400 yard outing. So true. And shout out to Kendrick Lamar because it would be some poetic justice, <clears throat> poetic justice that the uh, the Ravens end the Titans season in the same way that the Titans ended the Ravens season in the postseason last season. That's too many seasons. We got four seasons. 
not in Philadelphia four seasons. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Bear Saints. It's available on CBS Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where we are. We're getting get football anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. You can get football anywhere. Any day of the week, any channel you want. Football will be on HGTV in a couple of years. Look, the Saints just got five interceptions last week. Again, it gets, it's against you know the Carolina Panthers. It's a division foe, but like, come on. Trubisky isn't throwing two TDs to Jimmy Graham to win this game. It's not happening. Um, Saints are going to win rather handily, but the box score will be too close for you to really understand that unless you watch the game. So I think, I think the Saints will win by like six points, like a couple field goals. Hmm. All right. This one to me is an interesting matchup because despite all of my poo-pooing on Baker Mayfield, um, I I have to give him a little bit of credit in some of the maturity we've seen sort of on and off the field, some of the changes that he's made. Statistically, Pittsburgh is a far better team. The average is only 19 points per game versus Cleveland's 26.2 per game. They also score more points per game. Pittsburgh is 12th to Cleveland's 14th. The scoring of the points, I don't think is going to be a problem. I think Baker is going to come out and do pretty well. I think their problem is going to be stopping Big Ben and those guys from doing what they want. Although, I think they suffer a little bit from some of the opposite of what we talked about with the Ravens and me thinking some of their rankings are a little bit low based off of some of their midseason games. I think... If we look at just the matchup, the Steelers themselves face the opposite because they did so well for the first three quarters of the season, and then they really kind of stumbled the last quarter of the season. So I think this one is probably going to be a little bit closer, but I think the defensive side of Pittsburgh is going to be able to buckle down. They rank third in the league. So we've, we're have we seeing a trend here in the one, two, threes in the games that I just talked about. I think Seattle is going to ultimately end up stopping a couple of the big plays Baker's going to make it interesting. He's going to have some flashy plays, but their defense is going to cost them this one. I think they're going to cough up a couple um, easy third and longs, uh, give up a couple red zone plays, and I think they're ultimately going to unfortunately come up short because I I said it last week. I think this is generally a success for Cleveland in general, finishing with a winning record, seeing Baker Mayfield come out and have some success, seeing that team just kind of, just have fun. I know, you know, a lot of teams are looking championship or bust, not to win, but just to get there. They've made it to the playoffs. They're there. Got handed to them a little bit. Um, but I do think uh, the Steelers are going to come up in this one. I don't think the Steelers are going to make it to the playoffs like I did on week eight or nine, but uh, I do think they're going to beat the, the Browns. I mean, it, it does help a little bit, I guess, that the head coach and a couple of their assistant coaches for the Browns tested positive for coronavirus. So they won't be playing this game. So, yeah, you know, maybe we'll see what happens there. And of course, uh, breaking news since um, we started recording Nick Casario, who was a player guru with the New England Patriots got blocked from the Texans job last year. Probably going to be the Texans GM, which is good because they don't have a a coach or a GM right now. So (laughs) you got to get one part in there. Okay. That is this week's episode of stats. No matter. Thank you all very much for downloading, listening, sharing, subscribing. Mm-hmm. Tim, we did it. We finished the regular season. We're in the playoffs. We're going to get a Super Bowl. 
Buffalo is actually going to get fans in the stands for the first time this entire season. About 6,000 Buffalo fans will be in the stands for their home playoff mm-hmm. game. And I don't want to say that there's going to be a spike in COVID cases after that, but seeing as many you know, videos of what Bill's Mafia is capable of in close quarters, it is conceivable that they could do one of two things. A, set a record for coronavirus cases, or B, set a record for non-coronavirus cases because they all wear masks while they jump off of trailers into tables in a nearly vacant parking lot in Buffalo at Orchard Park. So good for them. Still the grossest thing I've seen to this day, I think was at the Bills uh, pregame festivities, we'll call it. But there's a man who goes there who dresses up and does nothing but let people squirt condiments all over him. And he just ends up covered. And like barbecue sauce and mustard and ketchup and just literally head to toe, not even wearing like, he doesn't go there with like, I'm going to put safety glasses on and a suit. No, he goes in there in like jeans and a t-shirt and his regular eyeglasses and just lets people spray condiments all over him. It's, it's Bill's Mafia is bizarre. Shout out to them though. They just rallied. They had a huge fundraiser over the last few weeks to show that they, mm-hmm. they can get serious. And it's not all about literally dislocating your tailbone or separating your discs <laughs> in your back, jumping off of trailers onto foldable table. I, I like I don't know what that's all about, but I've seen enough Barstool Sports videos of people probably ending up with serious injuries. Um, but just, just explain this to me. Why are we talking about the Bills as if it's 2020? It's 2021. The sky's the limit for them fans, Tim. Come on, give them respect for their name. There's going to be tea parties. There's going to be, like, respectful gatherings. Wow. Here's what's going to happen. And now we're we're going to end the episode, everyone. Thank you very much. It's going to turn into a super spreader event with people fucking jumping all over the place. We don't know that. We don't know that. And it's going to be a great time. We don't know that. All right. <laughs> Good luck to all the teams in the postseason. Cheers, everyone. We, we should be back on. But one last thing, we should be back on regular schedules going forward now that the holidays are over. So, and now that football is about to be like over, over. We have to. I mean, we got to talk about Celtics. We got to talk about slumping out the game. We talk about Steph Curry scoring sixty points. We got to talk about the Red Sox making some moves. We got to talk about Ryan Garcia. We got to talk about hockey. Zidane Chara is no longer a Boston Bruin. It's a lot we got to get. I was ready for it. Still hurts a little bit. I'm ready for it. I mean, I thought he should have just hung the skates up. But we out, guys. Talk to you next week. Peace.